Um, okay, so it's a little chilly today. I think my AccuWeather said 21 below uh, this morning. So it'd be interesting to, to uh, give a show of hands of, of who's wearing long johns right now. Let's just do it. Who's wearing long johns? Wow, not many. It's, it's like the old guys and Devin. <laughs> uh, Devin is a smart one amongst us. But uh, yeah, I, I got like long johns, a pair of socks. It's interesting, you get older and I'm just like getting frailer or something, but uh, it's cold weather. Uh, but uh, um, welcome back from California, uh, Miss uh, Ivy, who is now engaged to Grayson. So congratulations to you two. They're, it was a while ago, but it's their first Sunday back. Uh, so it's nice of our campus ministry leaders to come to church, what you say. Uh, they were, they were uh, at church in L.A., uh, right? You guys went to church? Okay, okay. amen. Um, so anyways, uh, week two of our sermon series in the book of Acts. If you're visiting with us, welcome. Uh, we are excited about our study. We're going to spend a good amount of time in the book of Acts. And last week we talked about why we're going to do that. But you could summarize it up in that we as a church are aiming and dreaming and desiring and working to uh, join the Spirit in restoring the church that we see in the book of Acts. So how we see it there, that's how we want to see it here. Amen? Uh, and the first few verses we studied last week, uh, it said, we talked about uh, where Luke says that this was all about, uh, you know what, I'm just going to read it, Acts 1 verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach till the day he was taken up to heaven. And so Luke introduces uh, this book with a referral back to his gospel, the gospel of Luke, and all that Jesus began to do. And the implication is that this book is all that Jesus continues to do and to teach. Amen? It's like, well, wait a second, Jesus went up into heaven. He did go to heaven, but he didn't just sit in his recliner watching playoff football. Oh, I guess the Packer fans don't do that either. Wow. Why? I'm so sorry. That wasn't, that was not of the spirit. That was simply my flesh. I forget. Please forgive me. I forgive you. Please forgive me. Um, so uh, um, I, uh, I don't even remember what I was saying. So the, content, the title, uh, really, that uh, um, John Stott gave the book Acts was, it's lengthy, but, uh, um, but good, the continuing words and deeds of Jesus by his spirit through his Apostles, okay? So could, uh, the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles, but the Spirit is all in and through the Acts of the Apostles. So it's really the continuing words and deeds of Jesus by His Spirit through His Apostles. So we're going to continue today and finish up the ch in, uh, chapter 1. And really what this is is about laying the foundation of the mission of 
Jesus. The mission of Jesus, the mission of the church, the rest of the foundational elements are laid. And then Acts chapter 2, we have the arrival of the Holy Spirit. So we're looking forward to that. But there's a little bit more that goes on in chapter 1. And, you know, the mission of the church, the mission. Uh, who likes the movie series Mission Impossible? A few of us. I was like those. Mission Impossible. Awesome. There you go. Okay. But it doesn't everyone start with, this is your mission, should you choose to accept it. And it's got those cool glasses, you know. Um, you know, but it, but it shows that as humans, we really are starving for a mission in our lives. We're starving for a reason to live. What's your reason to live? What's your mission in life? We have a few pictures of a... a of Mission Impossible, and I thought how that relates to the church. Maybe that's a picture of Corey Hanadel <laughs> working the website. Anyways, thought that was kind of, and this is Kids Kingdom. <laughs> or maybe that's the Hanadel kids. And maybe this is a picture of Chris Moose um, riding to church, or <laughs> going home from the board meetings, the fiery one. Anyways, okay, so uh, um, I don't know, just a little humor. Uh, let's just read the rest of chapter 1 here, okay? And think about the elements that Jesus is laying as the foundation for the mission. Uh, let's pick it up in verse 3. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. So, from the resurrection to the ascension was 40 days, and then from the ascension to the day of Pentecost, the Spirit comes about 10 days, okay? Um, and spoke about the kingdom of God. He spoke about the kingdom of God. We'll talk about that more a little bit later. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, see, Jesus wasn't a ghost. He was physically resurrected. He was eating food. Uh, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? One theologian has said that there's more problems with that question than words in the question. It really did show that the apostles still were not really getting, we weren't getting it yet, which is encouraging to me, amen? Because I feel like a lot of times I just don't get it. Are you with me there? But Jesus worked through those apostles and did amazing things. He could work through uh, people as clueless as, as us. Verse 7, he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, Jesus' vision was quite a bit bigger than the apostles. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking 
intently up into the skies he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in this ministry. The reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field, there he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language Akeldama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, that there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. And then Acts chapter 2 comes, the day of Pentecost comes, and it gets real lively. Okay. The rest of chapter 1 sets up the fundamental elements of the mission of Jesus. Number one, Jesus' kingdom. Jesus' kingdom. There's two main topics, probably, from what we have, of conversation amongst Jesus and the apostles and the other disciples, like on the road to uh, Emmaus, etc., of during Jesus' time between the uh, resurrection and the ascension. These, ascension. these two topics are the Holy Spirit, which is about to come, and the kingdom of God. Notice it's not uh, leadership methods. It's not how you should structure the church, etc., etc. It's the kingdom of God and the Holy Spirit. First of all, I want to talk about the kingdom. It's important to understand that Jesus is a king, and this is his kingdom. Jesus is a ruler. The kingdom has a citizenship, a foundation, core values, standards. This is not a Christian country club that we are here or you are here for entertainment and belonging. No, the kingdom of Jesus is the hope of the nations. And it's a kingdom. It's not a democracy. It's not at your convenience. It's not something you use to get a little 
checklist off of your God thing and then moving along, right? Um, you know, there's incredible blessing in the kingdom of God. But to receive this blessing, Matthew 6 says we must seek first the kingdom. Amen? We must put it as a priority and give it all of our heart. I want to look over uh, at a prophecy of the kingdom and the spirit in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. And this prophecy is about to be fulfilled. I'm sure many of, there's many prophecies of the kingdom. And by the way, the kingdom is not the church, but the church is in the kingdom. Okay, the kingdom is anything that is under the rule and reign of God. Amen? And that's what the, hopefully the church is. That's what we're trying to be, is under the rule of God, but it's not limited to the church. Creation, the universe, right? That's all in, in the kingdom of God. Ezekiel uh, verse 36 says there's going to be a big change coming. Verse 26 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees be careful to keep my laws, for you will live in the land I give your forefathers, and I will be, excuse me, you will be my people, and I will be your God. See, the Old Testament and the, the Jewish people, religion had turned into rules, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. What's allowed, what's not allowed, uh, being right and better than everyone else, and God has never intended for his kingdom to be that way. He said, I'm going to put my spirit in you, and you're going to want to obey. Amen? You're going to have a soft heart that loves God and is passionate and eager. Uh, there was this song I was listening to the other day. It talked about how when I was young and I was footloose and fancy free, and I thought, I was talking to Carter, and I said, you know, the world tells us that freedom is I just get to do whatever I want. But the truest freedom is found when we do whatever God wants. Then we no longer have to live for ourselves. We no longer have to live for our reputation or our impurities or our greeds or whatever. We're completely free in God's love to be who he designed us to be. There's no greater freedom found living in the peace and in the will of God. That's true freedom. Amen? And that's what the Spirit is going to bring to the people of God. I'm going to be your, your king. You will be my people. Okay? The kingdom is a spiritual in character. The, 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 the guy, the apostles are like, when are we going to get Israel? When's Israel going to rule the world again? Is it at this time? And Jesus is just like, oh, no, it's spirit, the spiritual kingdom. Have any of you uh, ever heard of Steeler Nation? So football fans, and I wouldn't want to say Packer Nation or Vikings Nation because it's too close to home right now, but how about Steeler Nation? Okay, what is Steeler Nation? Steeler fans, is this a physical nation? What defines Steeler Nation? What do they have in common? They love the Steelers. No matter where they live, it's a, it's a people with the Steelers in their, can we say worship? 
It's true. Uh, their following of the Steelers at their core, okay? Um, the kingdom of God is not Steeler Nation, it's Spirit Nation. Amen? Is it a people? Yes, it's a people. What's at our core? Uh, the USA? No, it's the Spirit of God. Amen? It's, a spiritual, it's spiritual in character. Number two is it's international in membership. See, the Jews thought this was all about the Jews. It's not all about the Jews. It's not all about Israel. It's about the kingdom of God all over the world, drawn into the people of God. Amen? All nations. He said uh, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Now, you got to understand that that was really hard for Israelites to hear because they did not like the Samaritans at all. They thought they were lesser members of society. There was so much racism, culturalism, nationalism going on um, in the world. But, but the spirit, the kingdom of God is international, all nations, all races, all cultures, all political parties, all generations. The differences found in the kingdom of God is what makes the kingdom of God so beautiful. I like the, the mooses, what they did. That was, that was cool. You notice they even had different colored cards. Um, that's what makes us beautiful when we harmonize our differences through love and respect. Amen? And the kingdom of God is gradual in expansion. It's not just going to happen all at once. It's, it's gradual in its growth. So number two is the foundations for the mission is Jesus' commission. We have here in verse 8, this is the commission. You receive power. Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is really an outline for the rest of the book of Acts. Their mission to Jerusalem is, in essence, Acts 1 through 6, Acts 2 through 6. Judea and Samaria, the greater region, is chapter 7 through about chapter 12, and then to the ends of the earth is chapter 13 and on. Do you want to show that? There's... So we got a little uh, uh, picture again. The, the apostles were just thinking Jerusalem, one little city over here, Israel, one little small little nation right here. But Jesus was thinking all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, obviously, we know that Rome wasn't the end of the earth, but it was largely the end of kind of their known world uh, at, at that time. Does that make sense? Um, and... The principle, so in the Old Testament, you have the chosen nation of Israel set up, the temple set up as all nations will stream to it. Okay, all nations will stream to it and find God here. This is why we see the Ethian, uh, the eunuch in Acts 8 coming to Jerusalem to worship God. Does that make sense? But in the New Testament, we don't go to Jerusalem just to find God. In the New Testament, it's more of a you from Jerusalem go into all nations. So the first is more centripetal, and the second is centrifugal. Okay? A little physics. <laughs> Bless me. Uh, thank you. Um, so centripetal is, is, is a gravitational pull. Centripetal is where we go out. What's that got to do with us? Do we think that 
people will just come to Jesus because of our incredible example. They should just see in us. Oh, that person right there is just like Jesus themselves. We should just be ourselves, and then they should just go, no way, that's not what Jesus said. He says, no, you guys, get your butts out there and go into the nations and go make disciples. Amen? Amen? Okay, make sure we're together. So there's a spinning out, so to speak, a sending out. It's one of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's main purpose in the church is to prompt it to go, to go out into the world, to be the salt, to be the light. Amen? Principally, he broadened the boundaries of the minds of the apostles. They're just guilty of small thinking, just like you and I. But Ephesians 3, verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. So how, does this, how is this going to work? It's all about waiting on the Spirit and for his power. Y'all, a lot of you got cell phones. How does the phone work when the battery's taken out? How valuable would that phone be with no battery in it? Here's a great phone for you. It just doesn't have a battery. You, and the price of that just went from $1,000 to negative because it's like you can't pay me to take that. It costs you know, me to dispose of it or, or whatever. Okay? And the, the, the church without the power of the Spirit in it. Just a bunch of humans getting together. This doesn't work. But the church with the power of the Spirit in us more than we could ever ask or imagine. Amen? And that's our vision, that we would go into the world and God through us would do more than we could ever imagine. Amen? Jesus' commission. Number three, Jesus is living and will return. They saw him go into heaven alive. Okay? He's alive. He's living today. What's that got to do with our boldness? By the way, this is the title of this whole series is Ordinary to Emboldened, the Spirit's power within us. The fact that Jesus is alive today ought to just quicken us. There's, a, there's an emboldening, just knowing Jesus is here. Revelation says he walks amongst the lampstands. So Jesus is here. He's listening. He's hearing, he's feeling your worship, he's speaking, he's communicating to you, he's charging, he's equipping you, he's emboldening you. Um, they, he's alive, he's living, he's working, he's active, he's leading his church, he's ruling his kingdom, and he will return. The question is, when he returns, where will he find us? When he returns, will he find us faithful, living for him, working for him, working with him, the Spirit? Doing our part. I hope he finds us doing that. Amen? Okay, number four. Jesus' church is a house of prayer. Jesus' church is a house of prayer. It says, this is the first. So a lot of times what we're going to do in the book of Acts is we're going to look at how did that, how does the book describe these disciples? And that's what we want to imitate. This is the first real description here in verse 14. It says, they all join together constantly in 
prayer along with the women. Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Wouldn't that be cool to have a little discipleship group and Jesus' mom is there? Hey, guys, a little hug. How's it going? Uh, I would be a little more at attention, <laughs> I think. How you treating my son? I don't want to sin anymore, okay? Um, this, uh, uh, this language, though, is interesting. It says they all join together constantly in prayer. The word is, uh, uh, I'm not going to, it's, it's H-O-M-O-T-H-Y-M-A-D-O-N, homithodon, homothodon. Um, this, is one of, this is one of Luke's favorite words in the book of Acts. Interesting. Ten, we'll use 12 times in the scriptures, 10 of them in the book of Acts. And its meaning is not just together, but it means of one mind or of one accord. Does that make sense? So it wasn't just physical proximity. It was we are of the same mind. We think alike. Not, not thinking, not uniformity, because there's great harmony in differences, but we have the same purpose. We have the same goals. We have the same heart, same motives, um, with one accord, with one mind. One uh, uh, theologian writes, the image is almost musical. A number of notes are sounded which, while different, harmonize in pitch and tone. It's the instruments of a great concert under the direction of a concert master. So the Holy Spirit blends together the lives of members of Christ's church. This prayer was united. United in prayer. Um, you know, as a congregation, uh, we are praying together for an, an embolden, emboldness in our church. Our theme is boldness, amen? Because it's the theme of the book, one of the themes of the book Acts. But emboldened togetherness, evangelism, ministry, and prayer. And I hope that we're joining together and praying. You know, last night we had a parenting um, night out. We had a good time discussing with the parents different parenting principles, but we started with prayer. But before we prayed, we said, hey, what do we want to pray for? Let's become of one mind and agree what do we want to pray for. So we prayed that our children would fall in love with God. Amen? They'd fall in love with His kingdom and that they would mature uh, in their um, minds. So good prayers. Amen? Uh, their prayer was united, and their prayer was persistent. It says they constantly joined together in prayer. So as a family, we should pray together at church. We should pray together in our leadership meeting. We should pray together in our discipleship groups. We're praying together in our campus devotionals and Bible talks. We're praying together individually every day. The collective prayer. Are we a house of prayer? Uh, that is our uh, foundation, who we are. And then lastly, Jesus calls all disciples to ministry. We have the replacing of Judas with Matthias. So Judas opted out of his apostleship. So when you betray the Son of God uh, and hand him over to the authorities to be killed, then you've opted out. Okay, um, Matthias here was called to take his place. He was called to his 
apostleship, there are some qualifications, and there's principles here that applies to us as well. Uh, qualifications, there was a consensus amongst the brothers and sisters about a few guys who meet these qualifications. They prayed together, uh, and then they drew lots. Very interesting way of making a decision. And after the church receives the Spirit, you don't see this uh, as much, so maybe we shouldn't draw lots anymore. But they drew lots, and Matthias was chosen. Now, did you ever think about this? How did Joseph feel after not being chosen? Did you ever think about that? Do we hear of him like, oh, why is he better than me? I think I'm going to leave and I'm going to a different church where I'm respected. Is that, is that what we see? No. What does that point to? Ministry is not about making you valuable to the people. All of the church is called to a ministry. Amen? All the members are called to a unique role in the body, and they're qualified by God, they're called by God, they're chosen by God for this ministry, and we have different ministries. Some may be more preaching, whatnot, some may be uh, singing, some may be leadership, some may not be leadership, uh, it, but it's interesting the different roles that we can have can create actually division when it's meant to create unity. And so what we have to, to do is not care who gets what role. I just want to do my role, and I want to do it the best I can. Amen? So, yeah, I think Joseph, I wonder how he, I wonder how he processed that. How was the relationship between Matthias and Joseph afterward? I really doubt Matthias was like, oh, right. Put the old A on my chest. I'm one of the in crowd now. That's scary. That's ridiculous, right? And yet we can start feeling that way if we think somehow we've got a less important role. But there's no less important roles in God's family. We're all valuable and all needed and all equally important. Okay, so I want to read and finish here with Romans 12, and then we'll take communion. Romans 12 and verse 4. It says, just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So this principle is not just about apostleship. This principle is about ministry. The church, all the churches involved in ministry, each has their own gift, and uh, they're called to use it. Uh, each is called to use it in accordance with the faith given them. Amen? So the foundation of Jesus' mission is the foundation of our mission today. We're in the kingdom of God. This is a kingdom. This is not a Christian country club. We have a ruler. We have a foundation. We have citizenship. 
We have core values. Uh, it's, a, it's the kingdom of Jesus. Uh, we are empowered and emboldened not by our collective talents or strategies, but only by the Spirit of God. Amen? We have a centrifugal commission where we are called to go out and to be sent out with all boldness and confidence, uh, unashamed and not timid. Um, we have uh, we, uh, to be united of one mind and persistent in prayer, a house of prayer, and we believe in every part ministry. There's no, some people are full-time ministry and others just sit around and watch. Every part does its part, every part ministry. So as we take communion, I'd like you to consider a few questions. How is Jesus in the Spirit prompting you, whether it be to the mission, whether it be to ministry, whether it be to prayer? How is the Spirit prompting you? Think about these things as we remember Jesus. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. God, thank you for the book of Acts. Thank you for the foundation that it lays for your church. Father, we, uh, we know we have so far to go. We know we are so... Uh, imperfect. We often just don't get it like the apostles. And yet you've chosen us and you work through us uh, by your grace and mercy. You've given us your spirit. And Father, we desire to be moved by your spirit, empowered and emboldened by your spirit. Help us to be a vessel that's empty so you can simply work through us to one another, to the world, uh, to bring uh, your kingdom in all its blessings. Father, thank you for this. Thank you for Jesus. It's only through his death, burial, and resurrection that, that we can be here today. And uh, I pray that as we remember him, we listen to the Spirit's prompting within our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.